0: Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship today. Whether you uh, gather with us uh, in person uh, or online today, we bid you a warm welcome. If this is your first time with us, uh, we give you a really warm welcome um, in this place.
1: Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter sixteen, reading verses one to thirteen. Now that's Luke sixteen, one to thirteen. Jesus told his disciples. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master has taken away my job, and I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe, my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest honest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money.
2: Thank you very much for that. Uh, good morning everyone, it's nice to be here again today. Um, yeah, We've been asked to preach on Luke 16 this morning, uh, which is either a very mean first passage to preach on or very tactical, a passage often used when talking about money and tithing, and James decided to pass that off onto the new guy. Uh, so yeah, an ex- excellent strategic position as we go through here this morning. Um, There's a lot going on in this passage. It's quite a tricky passage for us to really get into. And so we're going to start by exploring some of the characters we meet in this passage. There's four characters that we come across. And what makes this uh, story that Jesus tells particularly interesting is in this story, there's not really a good guy. Everyone is a little bit on the edge of ethically being acceptable in what they do. And They're quite interesting people. So let's see first of all we meet in this passage in Luke 16. We meet the rich man This is a man with lots of money lots of possessions lots of things under his control Including these people that work for him. They are not just employees These people are slaves brought in to work for this man and at the head of the slaves is our second character Okay, still a slave but in charge of the rich man's possessions. It's the second character's job to look after all of the the belongings and possessions of the rich man, to put them to good use, to make sure that uh, they're earning more and more, and that he is becoming wealthier and wealthier. It is within this man's interest to do that, because if he does good work, he continues to have a home, he continues to have some level of power, and he continues to have food and provision for his family. Has one. Yet we hear uh, early on at the start of this passage that he's been, the rich man has been told, actually, this guy's not really great at his job. He is earning you enough interest, not earning you enough money. It's time to let him go. Now that's just a demotion down to a lower level. He's told, time for you to leave. Time for you to go and find a new job, new home, food, and this guy thinks to himself. I am not going to go out on the street and become a beggar. That is his option in this. If he loses his job, he goes out to uh, beg on the streets. And he thinks, I can do better than that. So, he goes to two of his friends who owe his master a lot of money. Who owe the rich man a lot of money. And he comes to them and he decides to relieve them of their debt ever so slightly. He comes to him and he says, you owe containers of wheat? Let's drop that down to 80. You uh, 100 uh, jugs of olive oil? Let's drop that down to 50. Now, there's a lot we can begin to understand from one another in terms of what we think this man's motivation is. Let's ask each other a question. Are we optimists or pessimists in this scenario? Do we think he's doing a nice thing and saying, gonna be nice and relieve your debt ever so slightly and then hopefully you'll be nice to me in the future or is this man building up a plan for blackmail is he saying I know how much you really owe I know how much you are meant to be paying and I can reveal less at any point and get you in a lot of trouble therefore you need to give me a job you need to look after me instead he comes to these people and he acts in a shrewd manner that makes it sure that his interests are looked after. He makes sure that he is respected, that he still has power in this scenario, and he still has a home to go to at the end of the day. Priorities are looked after. Now, Luke gets into this and from verse 8, if you have it open in front of you, feel free to follow along. In verse 8, and the different understandings we can have, and the different lessons he wants us to learn. First of all, oh, hang on, my Bible has skipped back. There we go. First of all, he says uh, in verse eight, his master commended the dishonest manager because he did it shrewdly, for the children of this age are more shrewd in their own generation than are the children of the light. I put a lot of focus and love into church. Really love coming to church, church family together and community, and it means an awful lot to me. But I have other loves in my life as well. And one of my big loves is football. Every Saturday morning, or every Sunday morning, and every Monday morning, I will get up and we have Peppa Pig on five days a week. But Sunday morning and Monday morning, I'll watch last night's match of the day. And sometimes I'll avoid the football results all day so that as I and watch that hour and a half of match of the day. I get a little bit of joy, uh, or sometimes disappointment, in watching the football results come in. I I love gathering together, and uh, Patrick is forced to watch it, and Eden's not really that interested at all. I'm a big Arsenal fan, um, and I would love. I, I really enjoy seeing Tottenham get beaten, but uh, I'm not always sure that's the key at the minute. Um, <laughs> And so actually it means a lot for uh, to come together and watch these. And there's something about going to football matches and having that community together. I, years ago, Northern Ireland played England and they beat them 1-0. David Haley scored only goal of the game. And in the, the nationwide picture, as you look at it, uh, I had the poster up in my room. And on the top corner of the picture, I could point out to where I was sitting. I could see, no, it, it was cut off here. But I know that that was my t-shirt and my jacket and I'm always aware. And there was something about that football match that I always remember in terms of the community of the group that came together, the celebration with strangers I'd never met before, the idea that we were all there, the same color, the same item of clothing, the same community celebrating the same thing, that actually our church has a lot to learn from. Because as we look at the celebration at those events, how the football community gathers people together is a lot of what Luke is talking about here in this passage. In verse 8, he tells us that sometimes uh, people are shrewd in dealing, uh, the children of the age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. Sometimes it's the businessmen looking after their own interests Or the football community looking after their community around them that we as a church have a lot to learn from in terms of what it means to celebrate together to love together to have a shared interest and a shared joy what we do at those football matches memories are created expressions are shown and everyone is one in a community together maybe sometimes we need to ask ourselves as we begin looking at this story where it is we are gaining our joy from, where it is that we are putting our priorities into. I'm not saying that's wrong for us to have hobbies. I have many hobbies. Whenever I was, um, whenever I was a student, my first student loan came in and the, the first thing I decided to do with my student loan was to go and buy an engagement ring. And I lived off beans and toast for the next three or four months as I tried to make whatever money I have come together. And then beyond them, the rest of my student loan was spent on stupid holidays, football shirts, and little tiny plastic models, which I swore were collectibles, but really aren't worth very much uh, anymore. I spent a lot of my money on my hobbies, on my own desires. But we ask ourselves as we look at this passage, what is it? That we are spending our money on spending our time on spending our energy on where is it we are going to re-energize to refresh to get our joy from over lockdown it was very easy sometimes to get used to a Sunday morning going out for breakfast or uh, spending time in the park as a family and then suddenly church started back up again and it was difficult to get back into that routine of what it meant to come together as a community and to share that joy and that <laughs> So on and to more about this. I tell you, make friends by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, oh, homes. I'm am I in the wrong part of the dome? No, okay. Where is it Are take our money and use together for, I'm going to flick to here because I'm having a sudden panic here that my versions are slightly different. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I spent this summer, I spent a week in DC. I spent a week of it uh, in Washington with a group of 16 teenagers and we were there to work with homeless charities. We traveled around, we saw lots of sites, we went to Arlington Cemetery and saw the final resting place of JFK. Uh, 30 funerals a day is what Arlington Cemetery is currently doing, military personnel coming together. And Washington DC is currently one of the highest rates of homelessness in the world. Uh, The southern states, uh, there's four states in America that border with Mexico. We have uh, New California, which are democratic states and we have Texas and Arizona, which are Republican states. And those bordering Republican states have decided that homelessness is so bad in their country due to people crossing the border into America that they put them on a bus and they drive them to DC, let them off the bus with a tent and a bag, and that's all they have. DC, currently the homelessness is uh, in every park. There's tent cities popping up, there's communities coming together, uh, and there's not enough provision for those people. We brought a group of teenagers out to work with them and to hear some of those stories. The group that we brought with us, some of them were from disadvantaged backgrounds and some of them were from slightly more middle class backgrounds. On the Sunday morning, we were there a Wednesday to Wednesday, on the Sunday morning, we served breakfast at a soup kitchen uh, from half six until nine o'clock in the morning. And at that soup kitchen, we served 150 people and I really struggled with it because it was like a cattle market at times. It was, you come in, you eat your breakfast, and as soon as you're finished, there's a man standing over your table saying, time to go, the next person's coming in. There's such a level of need that they're just trying to get as many people as possible, food in their stomachs, and a packed lunch, and then back out for the day. There's such a level of, 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 of need for food, for health care, for so many things. And our group of young people came and saw this on Sunday morning. On Sunday afternoon, we went out to Pentagon City Mall, Mall, Bow Street Mall, but I think it's Pentagon City Mall. Struggle with that one in American accent. And we went out and we went shopping for the afternoon. Uh, I, I bought a new hat while I was in America. That was my big expense. And then I spent any other spending money on uh, American food or Cinnabon or different drinks and trying different uh, foods that, we, that they had in America. The young people, after serving a morning with people who had nothing, some of them went out and bought a watch at $300 or a pair of shoes at $200. And I really struggled with the mirrored image that we sometimes see of wealth and hurt. And in our country, that exists as well. If we can find a pound coin down the back of our sofa, we find ourselves in the top 10% of the richest population in the world. That actually... Sometimes we can't see the hurt, but for us, there is still hurt in our communities. How is it that we can use our wealth, that we can use what we have to serve the people around us? Is our heart here on a Sunday morning for church? And then later on, does our heart, where does it go in the week? Does it still look at serving God? Does it still look at at using all that we have and our energy and our finances to bring his glory? It's a struggle that we'll always be facing. In our next verse, uh, we are reminded that sometimes our small counts, the small things point towards the big things. We are told that what we are trusted with is going to point towards what comes beyond us. In verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Folks, we are people who are trusted with an awful lot. We are trusted with an awful lot of power and privilege. We are often trusted with an awful lot of wealth. We are going into a time of difficulty and cost of living increases. We've been putting off filling our putting five hundred liters of oil in for for as many weeks as possible. And at last we had to bite the bullet this week and Dip into our savings to try and make sure we have heat over the summer. And I know that even that is a privilege that many people in our community won't have this winter. What does it mean for us to be trusted with little and also be trusted with much? In Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, we are told that whenever mankind is created, God said, Let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In the NIV, the word they use is rule. Sometimes the the terminology used is have dominion over, to have a stewardship over, to have care for these things. I personally have struggled over the past week in terms of the, the, the council striking for the collection of the bins. Uh, I work in Portadown, and as you drive through Craigavon, around the many roundabouts, there are bin bags piled up. Uh, and even at our house, we have sitting in the driveway because the black bin is overflowing. I've really struggled with what that means for me as an individual, my stewardship of the earth. Can I really not go three weeks Four weeks without filling a small plastic bin in my driveway? Am I really doing enough to look after the earth for Patrick and for Eden and for the children that come beyond us? Am I doing all I can in my my work and in my funds and in my care to make sure that the stewardship that God has trusted us over the earth with, the little that he has trusted us with, goes on beyond to the eternal promises that he makes for us. God has trusted us with little here on earth now. God has trusted us with things that we have care and dominion over. Is the little that we have been trusted with going to be returned for us in plentiful in times to come? Luke brings this passage home in in, in verse 13. He tells us that no servant uh, can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Luke is not telling us here that money is the root of all evil. Luke is reminding us that the love of money is where our issue comes. What is it that motivates in our life? What is it that motivates us in our desires? What is it that our heart is driving us towards? In our care for the earth, in our love for one another in community, in our love for the different places and people we see around us. Luke asks us here where is it that we are putting our heart? Where is it that we are storing up our wealth? Are we putting it on the earth now or are we looking towards the future? The rabbis of uh, the time that Luke walked the Earth reminded people that wealth was not about the wealth, how much can I earn, but wealth was was based upon how much can I give away. Someone was deemed rich not based upon how big their storehouses were or what they had collected, but someone 's wealth and power determined on how generous a person they were, how generous they were in looking after other people, in feeding the widows and the orphans, in leaving space to make sure that other people were fed. How often are we judged on what we give away? I'm not sure we are. We are often accepted on how much we have, how much we collect, how much we gather, and instead our hearts need to be directed us towards what we can give away. Folks, as we come together this morning to receive communion, we ask ourselves, as we receive from the Lord, what is it that we have been trusted with? How much has he blessed us and given us with? What is the little that we have now that can be used to bless and to give out lots in return? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings and privilege we have on this earth may we use what we can maybe use whatever we can spare to bring glory to your name to bring glory to your kingdom and to help bring heaven here on earth today amen
0: let's uh, finish today a little verse uh, from the apostle paul it's found in first timothy um, chapter one actually uh, in first twelve. It's not a normal one that we finish with, but as we've been going through the service, it's one that was laid on my heart, I think, for today. It says Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength and has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I once was far from him. I was shown mercy, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Then the the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And so may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest on each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.